0: I just got to say this right in the beginning. Listen, man, we owe you an apology. So last week we thought it'd be a great idea. You know, we said this in the series that, um, that, that, that families that play together, come on, families that play together do what? Stay, Stay, Stay together. together. Evidently that's not true. We gave all of you decks of cards and people are getting divorced and kids are getting beaten. And so, hey, we're, we're sorry. <laughs> we're sorry. Hey, listen, we gave out about 750 decks of the game um, Monopoly deal, about another 300 decks of Old Maid and Go Fish just to invest in families. We hope that you guys took those decks. We've seen lots of people posting pictures on social media, playing together, and there was some competition, but we're glad that you are investing time in each other, investing time in your family. That's how you're going to get stronger, and so we're glad you're taking those steps. So, well, listen, man, I want to just do a real quick recap of where we were last week. Again, the title of this series, Games Families Play, our goal is this. Why don't you just know this? Our goal is this, is that no matter where you are, no matter where your family is, no matter where you find yourself, I believe and we believe at Faith Church that God has the ability and God has the strength and God has the grace to show up in your life and in your situation and take you from where you are, no matter how difficult it is, no matter how unhealthy it is, that God, if you'll give him an opportunity that if you'll open up your heart, that God can step in and God can change lives and families. And so what we want to do through this series, we just want to give you some principles. We want to give you some rules of the game that will help you move from where you are to where you want to be. So last week, we kind of started with the setup of every game. That If you buy a new game in the store, if it's a card game or if it's a board game, if you open it up, the set of instructions is going to be the same pretty much for every game In that it gives you these three components. Every game says this. First of all, there's the setup, then there's the gameplay, and then there's the goal. And so, what we said is that everybody here, you have a family setup. Now, your family setup is different than mine, and mine is different than yours. In fact, we have in this church, this large, we have a lot of diverse family setups. We have, right, we have second marriage setups, we have newlywed setups, we have stepkid setups. Right? We have singled mom, single dad setups. We have all kinds of different setups in this room. Our setup is just kind of how we start the game. And the, but really what matters isn't so much your setup, it's the gameplay. And here's what I want to talk about last week and through this series today is the gameplay. Is that I just believe that every game needs rules. That if you play any game without rules, you're gonna have chaos, you're gonna have trouble. But if you know how to know the rules, you know how to play the game, you can ultimately get to the goal. And the goal is ultimately to win the game. And I just want you to know this today, that you can win at the game of family. You can win with God's grace. You can win as you play the game right. You can win at the game of family. In fact, we said it this way last week, that it's not really your setup that determines if you can reach your goal or not. It's your gameplay. Which means if you're here and you're like, Pastor Steve, if you knew where my family was today, like we can never get from here to there. It's not your setup, it's your gameplay. Which means if you'll determine up front that I'm gonna do my part, that I'm gonna allow God in, I'm gonna be the husband, I'm gonna be the mother, I'm gonna be the child, I'm gonna be the spouse, that if I'll play my game right, I can get to my goal. In fact, we talked about last week what those roles are, that in the gameplay that God's given us, we said this, that it's our roles. It determines our goals. And here's the roles that the Apostle Paul gives all of us. Everybody read these with me. This is what Paul says. Paul says, husbands, come on, read it, love your wives. Wives, submit to your husbands. Children, obey your parents. And fathers, don't irritate your children. So there's your goal that you can reach if you'll walk in your role. That if you'll kind of do what God's called you to do, if you'll kind of take your responsibility and walk it out, you can get there. Now, it's not going to be easy. It's going to be a challenge. But I believe, I got to keep saying this, I believe with all of my heart that if you'll not just, you can know other people's role, but you got to own yours, which means you can't look and say, but she's not doing this and he's not doing this and my kids would only do this. No, no, no. You got to say, what's my role? I have to own my role. I have to be the husband God's called me to be in spite of the wife I have. I have to be the child that God's called me to be in spite of my parents. I have to be right. The father I've been called to be in spite of my kids. Like if we'll all own our individual role, God can do great things. So today, today as we move on, I want to kind of deal with a pretty difficult topic. I want to talk about conflict in the game of sorry. And let me just say this right in the beginning, and I kind of was concerned about sharing this because I thought, well, some of you guys might think like my psychological profile is I'm a serial killer. But is anybody here, and I know there's been some people because first service, we got some response, probably not the ladies, but guys, any guys here remember when you were a kid and you got a mason jar and you captured a spider and you captured like a wasp and you put them in the jar, shook them up and let them go at it like it was Deathmatch 2016. Anybody here do that? Come on, don't leave me out there. Yeah, man. It was like you were betting your, your Hot Wheel cars. You were betting your lunch money on the bee, on the spider. And it was just like you would put them in. And here's the thing. Watch. This is, so, this is so good. Is those two things probably would have never fought together. The reason they fought together is they were so close together. So here's what I want you to know. Is that proximity creates conflict. Isn't that right? So if you're never close to anybody, you'll never fight. But this is true not just in family. This is true at work. This is true in your neighborhood. The closer you get to people, the more likely you are to have conflict. We moved in, for example, the last place uh, we served as pastors for 11 years before we came here. We moved into this house. And I'm just telling you, this this family lived next door. We never had any problem with them until we moved next to them. (laughs) And I don't know what it was because I'm pretty likable. I don't know what they seen in me they didn't like, but they didn't like us, didn't wave at us. They didn't talk to us. I'm sure they talked about us. One day, someone came, some kids came from the church and TP'd our yard, which we hated them and quit praying for them. And, you know, you know. before we got out there and cleaned it up, some toilet paper blew in their yard. And you would have thought that we went and toilet papered y- their yard. They came the next day. Listen, what's your intention? You need to come get this toilet paper up. And so, yeah, it was just always tense. I burnt their fence down, which made it just a lot worse. Yeah. If- if you, listen, if you want to get along with your neighbors, don't burn their fence down. But, I mean, it was just really bad. But here's the thing. Listen, when we moved away, the conflict went away. Because, here's why. Listen, proximity proximity breeds conflict. Listen, people you used that you never worked for, you got along with fine because you didn't know them. But once you got a cubicle next to them, once you worked a shift with them, once you worked at the assembly line next to them, there's conflict because proximity breeds conflict. And so I, I just want you to know that if you put a man and a woman in a 2,000-square-foot in house, if you put two-and-a-half kids and a dog and a cat, there's going to be some conflict. Now, this is good news because some of you are, like, wondering, is my family crazy? Are we at all abnormal? I just want you to know that you can put the most, un, the most healthy people together, and if you put them together, eventually, you put them close enough, you're going to have conflict. Not only does proximity breed conflict, but here's something else. It's our differences that breed conflict right? Here's what I mean is, if everybody looked like you, thought like you, acted like you, wanted what you wanted, you would never fight. But when you put two people, just let's just forget kids right now. Let's just talk husband and wife. If you put two people from two different backgrounds, two different points of view, two different belief systems raised with two different values, you know what you're going to get? Ding, 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 ding. It's on like Donkey Kong. You're going to have some conflict. So I, I just want you to know, listen, any uh, a healthy, uh, the only healthy um, family dynamic is a family that only has one person in it. If you had another person, you're going to have some conflict. In fact, here's what I want you to know, is conflict is universal. It's universal. So again, I, I'm trying to give you some good news on the front end, in that if you're here and you're like, Pastor Steve, hey, if you only see, like I fight with my kids all the time, you know, my hus- you know, my husband and I, my wife and I, like we're just always going at it. I just want you to know that on some level it's it's almost it's it's natural, it's it's common to have some conflict. It's it's almost unavoidable because you have proximity and you have differences. So if, if you want if you want if you don't want any conflict, then don't be around anybody. And if you're around them, make sure they're exactly like you. And if you're totally by yourself and you're still having conflict, there's medication for that. That's, that's all I'm saying. But so, so here's the thing. I just want you to have like a little bit of courage on the front end. I don't want you to look at your family and feel like doom, gloom, and despair. We're broken. It's okay. Every family. My, listen, I'm just telling you, and I, I brag, and I hope you don't think I'm arrogant. I think I have a great family. My wife and I, we've been married for 23 years. We have a great marriage. I would marry her again and again and again. I don't just love her. I'm in love with her. I think I have three fabulous kids. I love them. I love being with them. But we're not perfect. We have conflict because we have proximity and we have differences. But here's here's the thing is here's where we got to kind of dig in is it starts to get unhealthy if it goes to an unhealthy level or an unhealthy amount, which means if all you do is fight, something's wrong. If all you have is conflict, something's wrong. And if when you have conflict, it's always elevated and people are yelling and it's chaos and you want out, something's wrong. So, if you're here today and you have conflict, it's okay, it's natural. But if you're here today and like you're done with the conflict, you're tired of fighting, like you're ready to throw your kids out, like you've been considering divorce, like you're just kind of you're just done, you're drained, then I hope today you'll hear really what I believe God's laid on my heart, more importantly what I believe God's word has to say about the subject of conflict. But let me give you some responses cuz we when we get in conflict, every one of us in this room, we have we're one of we're one of these four. This is how all of us respond to conflict. Here, here they are, four of them. Now, I put, the, the, I put this first one at top because this is me, because I'm, I'm number one on the board anyways. Every one of us, when you get into conflict with your boss, with your coworker, with your kids, with your spouse, Every one of us, we respond in one of four ways. We respond first of all. Some of you in this room, you're the competitor, and here's what a competitor is: a competitor is you care more about winning the fight than keeping the relationship. Like, like you're like you're, it's like it's like fighting with an eternity. Like they're never like I'm just like I'm never wrong, and I'm not going to back down. Like I don't care if I kill the family if I win the, if I win the argument, I won. Y'all look at me like I'm crazy. So how many people, how many competitors are here? Like, you're about winning the argument. Like a lot of us, that's some, sometimes, especially type A personalities, dominant personalities, it's that kind of, uh. And there's this thing, and some of us in this room, you are a competitor, and it's unhealthy at the level you compete in conflict because it keeps you from really getting along. Some of you in this room, this is probably most of you in this room, most of you in this room are doormats. Now, here's what a doormat is. A doormat is somebody that cares more about peace in the home than having what they want. Like, it's whatever you want. Like, I'm, I'm okay if you're okay, and you're really not okay, but you don't want to say anything because you don't want to make your kids upset. You don't want to make your spouse upset. So, like, you're the first one to say I'm sorry. Like, you're not really sorry, but you say you're sorry because you don't want to fight anymore. And, like, you just don't want to make any noise. Like, you just want peace in the home. I would ask you if you're a doormat to raise your hand, but you're so peaceful you won't even raise your hand, so I'm not going to ask. So some of you are competitors. Some of you are doormats. Some of you are runners, right? Some of you are run- Here's what a runner is. A runner is somebody that, like, I hate conflict. Like, as soon as conflict sparks up, this is some of you guys. This is the noise at your house. Skrrr. That's you leaving the driveway because you don't want conflict. You're going to go in the bedroom. You're going to turn the TV on. The last thing you want to do is have conflict, so you run from conflict. Some of you in this room are Runners. And the last one, the last one, this is the way, again, all of us respond in one of, one of these four ways. Some of us are, are, are screamers. Now, a screamer is somebody that thinks that the, the, the louder their volume is, the more authority they have. And if they can't be right, they're going to talk you down, and the louder they get will shut you up until you finally quit talking and they've won the argument. And some of you are screamers. And like you get in conflict, and the, the more conflict you're in, the, like the louder you get. And you think the louder you get, the more right you are. Now, here's what I want you to hear. This is so important. Are you all with me? How many people? Be honest. You're one of these four. Right here. Wave at me. Wave at me. Everybody. The rest of you didn't raise your hand. You're lazy or liars. You're all one of these. <laughs> so here's the thing there's, there's some healthy stuff in here. Because here's what what we need to be, is we need to be a hybrid of all these four. Y'all track with me. We need some competitor in us. Like, I'm just telling you, if you're a doormat, you need to be a competitor because you need to stand up for yourself. You need to let your spouse, you need to let your kids know, this is how I feel, this is what I want, this is what I hope for. Like, you need to not be willing to back down so much, so you need to be a little bit of a competitor. Some of you who are competitors, come on, this is me, I need some doormat in me. I need to be willing to bend. I need to be willing to hear out. I need to be willing to look at another point of view. So, we all need to be a hybrid of this. Some of us, because we don't have this at all, all of us need a little bit of runner in us, which means it's not healthy to avoid conflict, but sometimes it's okay to walk away. Because you gotta know when to hold them, you gotta know when to throw them. You gotta know. Anyway, so, and everybody needs a little bit of screamer in them, right? If you're real passive and you're real quiet and whatever, I just want to go along and get along. And you're a little mouse. You need to raise your voice. Like not loud, not rude, not crude, but you need to be able to speak up in the context of relationship. Because if you can do it anywhere, you should be able to be safe in relationship to speak up. Everybody shout speak up. up. If you can say it here, say it in relationship. So you should never be one of these four. We should be a hybrid of these four. Because when we learn to manage conflict that we all have, that's how we can get from where we are, not the setup, but through the gameplay, get to our goals. Now, here's the crazy thing is, when you look at Scripture, this is is crazy. Some of you may have been reading the Bible long enough, you know this is true. There are no healthy families in Scripture. Like, when you read Scripture, all of the families that kind of come into the narrative of Scripture, they all have conflict. Because, again, conflict is universal. Adam and Eve, right, right? They're pointing fingers at each other. Not my fault, it's your fault. No, it's her fault. Adam and Eve had conflict, right? Cain and Abel, the first two brothers, they had so much conflict, one killed the other, which I'm gonna be honest, I've been there, right? Anybody here know the story of Joseph and his brothers? They hated their younger brother so much, they sold him into slavery, conflict. David and Absalom, this is King David. King David was, was the cat who wrote most of the Psalms. The Bible, God says, he's the apple of my eye. But you know, he had conflict in his own home between him and his son Absalom. It almost divided his kingdom. Jesus. Do you know the family that Jesus, that Jesus, like his mom and dad, Joseph and Mary that raised Jesus. Do you know there was conflict there? Early on in the ministry of Jesus, Mary and his brother showed up outside when Jesus was teaching. This is true. Knocked on the door and said, hey, he's out of his mind. He's, he's, he's lost it. Tell him to come down here. Like There was conflict in the family of Jesus because conflict is universal. But today, are you all ready for today? You're not ready. Today, I want to buckle down, and I want to just answer the big question because there's a lot of reasons that drive conflict. There's a lot of responses. But what I want to get to today for every one of you in this room who's in family, and that's all of us, to get you from where you are to why I believe God really wants us to be healthy is I want to talk about the cause, the number one cause, the primary foundational cause to all conflict. In fact, the writer, this is Jesus' brother James, he writes in James chapter 4 and he asks this question. Read it with me. What is causing the quarrels and fights among you? So he's asking the question, hey, why is there so much strife in your family? Why are you fighting so much in your home? Now, if I got all of you, if I got any of you like one-on-one, and I said, hey, why is there so much tension in your home? I'm just telling you that, and this would be me too, too, is if you would hear from me why there's fighting in my home, here's what I would say. Well, because my kids don't listen and my wife won't do this. And my son would only listen to me. And all of us, you know what we would do? We would blame every other person for how they're acting, how they're behaving, what they're doing, what they're doing too much of, what they're not doing enough of. We would point to everybody else. So if you said, hey, you know what's causing, like, you know, what's the cause of the quarrels in my house? It's all these crazy people. In fact, some of you are convinced that if the next family reunion, you could just get a microphone. If you could just, come on. Anybody here feel like if you could just sit your whole family down, you could fix them all if they just listen to you? Like, okay, just everybody give me 30 minutes. Okay, everybody listen up. Okay, you just need to quit drinking so much. You need to treat your kids better. You need to take a bath. Like, if y'all would just listen to me, we can fix this mess. Because, watch, we think the cause of quarreling is everybody else. What's the cause of quarrels and fights among you? Check this out. You're not going to like the answer. I didn't. Don't they come. Come on, y'all got to read this. Don't they come from the evil desires at war within. Y'all didn't even want to say it. Let's try it again. Every voice here. Come on. Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? See, we're like, it's your fault, and she's not, and he's not, and they won't. It's doing too much of this. James like, whoa, 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 whoa. The heart, the real heart of conflict isn't all of you. we got to bend the finger back, and it's me. And here's why. Because every one of us in this room, we have expectations. We have, we have wants. We have desires, like ways we want to be treated, things we want to get done, like things we hope to see happen. And we make those expectations known in our home. And typically, watch, this is so important. And, and I, this is not what I'm saying. This is what Scripture's saying. Like this is not my, just my opinion. This is God's Word that the cause and the foundation of quarreling in our home is not because your husband won't. It's not because your kids won't. It's not because your wife doesn't do enough. He's saying the problem is that you take your expectations and you put them on everybody else. So the real core, the real problem is, watch this, is us. This is so big. In fact, he says specifically, they come from the evil desires at war within you. Now listen. Listen. Remember, I, I've already opened it this week, went over it last week, that God has given us, every one of us, our role in the home. And again, even though we know that, we still fight and, and like we put our expectation like as a husband, I look at my wife and I'm like, I want you to do this and I expect you to do this and you're not doing enough of this. And I look at my kids and I want you to behave this way and I don't want you to do that and I don't want you to live that way. You need to clean your room. And And God's like, whoa, 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 whoa. It starts getting evil on the inside of you when you get more focused on how other people are behaving rather than fulfilling your role in the home. When you feel like it's your job to change everybody instead of focusing on your role, you will have conflict, and it starts getting evil. Let me just give you an example. So my, uh, my wife, some of you guys have seen this on Facebook. You follow me and you follow her. She won, um, she won some uh, training training at a gym, like some personal training. And she wanted me to go along because I'm fat. She didn't say that, but I knew what she meant. <laughs> She's like, come with me. And I'm like, I'm not going. She's like, come with me. So anyways, there's a reason I went. But so I went and this guy sat us down and he's like, this is what you need to eat. And, and it really was good. It's very like, cause I'm a black and white type guy. And if you give me some gray, I'm going to abuse some gray. Because, like, he sits us down. He's like, you know, I want you to eat these three things for breakfast. And if you don't really want to get to number three, that's okay. And I'm like, no, do you want me to eat three or not? Like, you got to tell me. So he's like, well, then we went on Tuesday for our first, like, physical session. And, like, like I work out, but that cat is evil. <laughs> it's like, go faster, more, heavier. I'm like, ah. yeah, you know, I'm sweating. I can't breathe. I'm like, you realize I'm fat and 45, right? So we're working out, and like halfway through, he looks, he looks at us he's like, okay, we're, we're going to go to another level. And I'm like, dude, this is it. Like, it's top level. We're going to go to another level. And he's like, I want you to think of something you really hate. And he looks at my wife. He's like, what's something that really bothers you? And he's trying to get us fired up. Like, what, when you think of this, what's this thing that drives you? And I don't remember what she said, but he looks at me. He's like, what's the thing that fires you up? What's the thing that really you don't like? And I'm like, I said, I was like, you. Right now, you. That's what I don't like. Like, I want to punch this guy. I want to, like, choke him out. And here's the thing. Come on, listen, guys. He's just doing his job. Do you know the problem? The problem was the conflict in me that my lazy, fat, carnal nature didn't want to do what he was saying, and I was projecting my frustration on him. Are you all hearing what I'm telling you? So Now, now listen, 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 listen. I, I know what y'all are thinking. I know what you're thinking. Yeah, but, but Pastor, he swore to me. We, we were in a covenant. We, she, she made vows to me. He made vows to me you know, my kids should behave. I get it. Listen, I, I hear you. But what I'm telling you is the goal of scripture in this context is not saying, hey, you focus on everybody else. The goal of this is that you focus on you. Have you ever been in a service where you hear a message and you think of like three or four people that you wish were there because they should have heard it? You call me like, hey, you better jump online. Like you're going to really, you need this message, girl. <laughs> this is not that message. If you walk out of this room today or even through this series and think, I wish so-and-so heard this, you missed it because this is not for so-and-so. This is for you. Keep going. He says, watch this. He kind of sums it up. He says, you want what you don't have. Like, I just wish my kids would. I wish wish they would listen. I wish they would, would obey more. I wish they would help out around the home. Like, I just wish we had more intimacy in our marriage. Like, I wish my wife wouldn't spend so much money. wish my husband would quit drinking so much. I wish he would help out around the house. Like, I want, I want, I want. Keep going. He says, you want what you don't have. Come on, watch this. So you scheme and y'all got to, come on, ratchet it up. I'm 100% y'all like 3%. Let's meet in the middle. Come on, read it. You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. Now, while I can relate to this, because there have been times I have physically wanted to kill my children, because I can like take them out and make another one look just like them. <laughs> this is not this is hyperbolic speech. This is this is this is exaggerated speech, but here's what he's saying. And y'all, every one of you in this room have experienced this. Where you have so much conflict in your home, you have so much tension in your relationship. Like, as parents, like, this is what I want. I just want you to do well in school. I just want you to work hard, and I want you to go to college. And I want, I want, I want. And the kid's like, I just want you to leave me alone. I just want to, like, I want to figure out life. And we're barking at each other what we want. And we're, we're telling our wife what we want. They're telling husband. and ar, ar. And what happens is when you have so much tension and everybody's just concerned about what the other person is not being to them, you kill that relationship. And everybody in this room, either you've been a part of it personally or you know somebody, you have friends that are no longer in contact with their parents because they killed that relationship through conflict. Husbands and wives that loved each other, that stood at an altar, held hands and said, we're going to love each other till the very end. And they killed that marriage through conflict. And so he's saying, listen, you want, you want, you want, you want, you keep putting your expectations on everybody else. You keep worrying about what everybody else is doing for your happiness. He's saying when you do that, when you keep pushing and pushing, he's saying you kill eventually that relationship. And then he says this, watch. He says, you are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it, so you fight. He's like, it's just a cycle. You want, you conflict, you kill. You want, you conflict, you kill. It's like this vicious cycle. Now, here's what I know is that there are marriages in this room that are in that cycle. Like, you're just fed up with your husband. You're, you're disgusted with your wife. You're upset at your kids. And like, you, I keep telling what I want. I keep telling her what, how he needs to change. And God's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Now, hear me. God is not discounting the other person's role in the relationship. But what God wants you to look at as you look at the brokenness in your home, as you look at the fractures in your relationship, is not look at what everybody else is doing. Come on, y'all got to hear this. What God wants us to focus on is because you have no power over other people in the home. The power you have to change is the power you have to change you. And so we'll leverage that. God says that's where change will start to happen. And then, watch this. This is is so big. Two questions I want you to ask right here. I don't want you just to read these. I want you to ask yourself these questions. Who is suffering in your family because you are not getting your way? Yeah, but if they would just do their chores, I I hear you. If she would just, if he, I hear you. It's not the question. The question is, who is suffering in your family because you are not getting your way? Stings a little bit, don't it? Blow on it. Next question. This is bigger. Now, if you're not a Jesus follower... If if you're not a believer yet, you can can just listen to everything I said and then you can turn me off now for a little bit. But if you're a Christ follower, if you're here and you said, I've given my life to Jesus, I love him and I want to follow him, then I want you to know that your attitudes, your actions, and your words matter. And as Christ followers, our goal and our job is to grow up and be like Christ. So here's the question. This is a big one. I want you all to read this one with me. How does Christ feel about my attitude, actions, and choice of words in this conflict? Ooh, that stings a little bit more, don't it? Let's ask that again. How does God, how does Christ feel about my attitude, actions, and choice of words in this conflict? Because here's what I know about everyone in this room. Again, everybody has conflict, but when you don't get your way, when when he don't do what you think he should do, when she's not doing enough or whatever, when kids, ah, I hear it. Listen, what we do is we start getting loud and we start getting aggressive and we, we get a bad attitude and we start saying things that we can't take back and we start hurting everybody with our words. Listen, some of you guys are throwing grenades at your husband. and grenade. Listen to me, you are not helping the conflict be resolved. You are making the conflict worse. So God's saying, listen, I want you to take, listen, I know your husband needs to change. I, God, listen, God knows. But he's saying you can't change them, you can change you. And then he says this, and this is the best part. Y'all ready for this? Watch this. Read it with me. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask. That's lean in. Y'all got to lean in. Come on, lean in. You can't change your husband. Y'all stop leaning in. Come on, lean in. I'm going to tell you something. It's a secret. This is a secret sauce right here. You can't change your husband, but God can. You can't change your wife, but God can. You can't change your kids. Come on, I got a secret for you, but God can. So here's what God's saying. Right, here's what his word's saying. Here's the principle. So instead of you rushing in your kid's room, hey, you need to get up and you said you would do "Ah, that. How about you take a minute and you get on your knees and you pray for your kids. Before you go storming in the room to your husband, like I'm just tired of this and this, I'm fed up. How about you ask God? to do something with your husband. See, because here's the principle of like, and this is like, as a pastor, I keep coming back to this same principle over and over. I say it all the time. You do what you can do. Trust God to do what you can't do. You have a role to play. God expects you to fulfill your role. You can't change anybody in that home. So God's saying, you do what you can do. Pray about the rest and allow me to show. And here's what I know. If you get humble hearts involved with the God who can do great things, there is no family in this room that's beyond repair and beyond happily ever after. You can reach your goal. Come on. So you just got to be willing to ask God for it. You got to be willing to approach him and ask for God to get involved. And I I know that's difficult sometimes because we're so, like, we just want to fix it. But at the end of the day, this is our role is getting God involved in the situations that we find ourselves. This is so big. This is so huge. So I just want to challenge you. If you've not been praying for your husband, you've not been praying for your wife, you've not been praying for your kids, you've not been praying for your your stepkids, You've not been praying for your stepmom or dad. This is our challenge to say, God, I believe if I will involve you in the process and the dynamic of family, it can get better. And so, I want to give you just kind of an outline, real quick, of how to handle some conflict in your house. So, this is for all of us. If you've been a part of premarital counseling with me, you've heard this. You can tune me out for a minute. Or maybe you need a refresher course. But when you have conflict, again, conflict, right? Conflict, it happens. Conflict is universal. Everybody has conflict. This is how you deal with conflict. Three simple steps real quick. And now, when I say simple, it's simple to hear. It's a challenge to walk it out, but you can do it. Number one is desensitize. Everybody shout desensitize. What desensitize means is, again, going back to the place where I said be a runner, You gotta sometimes be willing to walk away. If you gotta stand there and fight because you're so passionate, like you're just butting heads and you're not getting anywhere, like it's okay to walk away. In fact, here's, I didn't say this first service, but if you take a note, you can write this down. If you fight mad, you'll fight bad. If you fight mad, you'll fight bad. Because if your blood pressure's up and your heart rate is, is, you're racing and you're upset, like you're probably gonna say some things you can't take back. You're probably gonna do some things that you're gonna regret. So, listen to me. If you're in conflict, one of the best things you can do is desensitize, which means take a time out. Walk away. Go in the bedroom. Go have a cigarette. Go do something. But get away from the conflict and just allow yourself to cool down. Everybody, do this. Take a deep breath with me. Y'all didn't come on. That wasn't everybody. Do it with me. You know what just happened? When you take a deep breath, more oxygen gets to your brain. You start to think, because of more oxygen, you start thinking more logically. All of your blood vessels open up a little bit more, which lowers blood pressure, and you lower your heart rate by one breath. But I don't have time to take a breath because she's just not doing this, and she would just do something, stop. Desensitize. Take a time out. Walk away. How long do you walk away for? Again, everybody needs to be a runner a little bit. It's okay to walk away and stop being a chaser. If your spouse needs a timeout, let them be Don't be like, hey, we need to talk about this. Come back here. I'm still mad. Like we chase them to the bedroom. Stop it. Allow a timeout. You said what well, for how long? Well, the Bible gives us that answer. The Bible says don't let the sun set on your wrath. So if you're mad, it's okay. Take a timeout, but you need to at least start talking about it before the sun goes down. Don't go to bed mad. That's a great principle. So once you feel like kind of the emotional edge is off, you got to come back together and you got to talk about it, debate. Here's the, here's the tough part is, that means you got to talk about it. That means you got to be willing to see someone else's point of view. Your point of view is not the only point of view. I'm losing, y'all, I can tell, because everybody in this room thinks they're right. Let me let you in on a little secret. You can win family arguments and lose family. If you ever, if you ever, there's, no, there's nobody in this room, you, come on, men, I'm a man, I can just really Listen, you've never won an argument with your wife. Do you know why? Because even if you win, you lose. Well, you win, but you're not getting sex, you ain't getting food, and you can sleep on the couch. That's not a win. That's a loss. You can't win. You don't win an argument with your kids because they're never going to see things your way. All you do is make them more mad. Come on, please help me, somebody. You can't win an argument. So you got to find a way to collaborate, to communicate, to bend their way. Tell me how you're feeling. This is how I'm feeling. Like, let's figure this out together. If you're both on opposite sides, someone has to lose. If it's husband against wife, somebody's going to lose and everybody lose. But if it's husband and wife against the problem, if it's mom and dad and the kids against the problem, that's how you navigate the complexities of conflict is sitting down and being rational and real and sharing your heart. And sometimes it's just owning it and saying, like, I was wrong. I was somebody can't say that word. I was a, <laughs> I was a, I was wrong. I was wrong. I'm sorry, and it'll never happen again. Y'all try that with me. I'm sorry, I was wrong, and it'll never happen again. Let's do that again. I'm sorry, I was wrong and it'll never happen again. See, con- conflict's not really that complicated. What's complicated is most of us in this room are too bullheaded to work through the conflict. And you got to value your relationship more than you value being right. Because here's what I know. Let me stop. I didn't say this first service. Let me, let's just fast forward. So you're in a marriage, and you're fighting, and you can't get along, or ah, so you're in a divorce. like you're, you're, you're done. Who wants to live life alone? I don't. So I'm going to go get remarried. You're going to go get remarried. I got news for you. The same person who was in the first relationship with, with a lot of conflict is the same person that's in the second relationship. But he's a better husband. But it's not about them. It's about who? You. And until we, I change, and until you change, conflict will not change. And finally, you, so, so again, we, we got to debate. Here's another thing real quick. You write this down. You can say what you mean. Don't say it mean. You can say what you mean. Don't say it mean. You can talk about how you feel, but you don't have to be mean about it. You don't have to be rude about it. That's a challenge for me sometimes, but that's realistic. And finally, decide. Make a decision. So here's once we've sat down we've talked about the conflict, this is what we're doing as a family. This is what we've decided, like kids and mom, and this is the direction we're going. I'm just telling you, listen, guys, I believe that God is right. And if we'll do it his way, because he made family, he created family, he has a standard for family. And if we'll do family his way, we can have the family he wants us to have. And so, if you'll own your part, and you'll give everybody else to God, if you'll work through conflict, I'm just telling you, we can all get better. I'm going to give you one more scripture before we close today. One more scripture. It's a great one. I love this. Love this verse. Matthew chapter 5, verse 9. If we get some keyboard with me, please. It says this, God blesses, watch this, God blesses those who work. Y'all aren't saying it. Come on. God blesses those who work. Who do what? Who work for peace. For they'll be called the children of God. So here's what Jesus says. This is so great as we close. He's saying, if you want to experience my blessing. So God blesses, God blesses those who work for peace. God said, if you want to experience my blessing, the picture of blessing is this. The Hebrew word is the word shalom. Shalom. It means that there is nothing broken and nothing missing in your life. That when we experience the peace of God, when we experience the shalom of God, it's God showing up in our family, God showing up in our heart, God showing up in our mind, God showing up in every area and arena of life. And God puts his blessing on it, which means we can have greater with God than we could ever have without God. And so God says, you want to know how you can experience my blessing? Watch this, that you got to work for peace, which means it's not easy. It's not automatic. Nobody here sits home, right, and just gets a paycheck. You know how you get a paycheck? You work for a paycheck. If you want to pay off in family, you got to work for peace in your home. One more thing. Listen, listen, don't don't, don't check out yet. I'm almost done. The opposite of peace in the Bible. We think the opposite of peace is conflict. You can have peace or conflict. In the Bible, the opposite of peace is broken relationships. Romans chapter five, verse one says this, that we have been justified by faith through Christ, that because of Jesus, because of what Jesus has done, we now have peace with our heavenly father, which means we didn't have conflict with God. Our relationship with God was broken because of sin. And so Jesus came and Jesus did the work to restore our relationship with God. So when Jesus came, remember right Christmas? Remember what the angel said? Right, that Christmas morning, he said, peace on earth. Everybody said peace on earth and good will. He wasn't saying, I hope everybody feels good on Christmas. I hope everybody has warm goosebumps. You know what he said? You know what the angels was declaring? Humanity's relationship with God was broken, but the Savior of the world's come, that you can have peace, a restored relationship with God. So let's go back to that. So you want to have God's blessing in your life? Then work for peace. Not, not not having conflict. You're always going to have conflict. How can I have restored relationships? He says, for they'll be called the children of God. You are never more like God. When you emulate God's spirit is when you're working to build and repair fractured relationships. Now, here's what I know. Everybody's thinking, it, Pastor, you don't know my home. You don't know my husband. You don't know my wife, and I don't. And I don't want you to ever think anytime I'm up here preaching on a topic that you're dealing with, I don't want you to ever feel like I'm oversimplifying your complexities. I'm not. I don't know all of your story, but I know God's faithfulness. And if you'll open up your heart and get beyond your hurt and your pain and your discouragement and your struggle and just have faith and just believe that God is big enough, because he is, to step into your situation and to step into your life that you can have your happily ever after. It's right here and so I want to pray for you today because every family has conflict I want to pray that you're going to tackle conflict in a new way instead of pushing your expectations on everybody else that you're going to pull back and say God what's my role what do I need to do and God I'm going to pray about everybody else and so I want you to pray with me Father Lord I know there's conflict in this house today conflict between parents and kids conflict between husband and wife God, there's some conflict here at work and conflict in our neighborhood. I pray in Jesus' name that, God, where there is hopelessness and where there is defeat because of the conflict, Lord, in the name of Jesus, God, I pray, give them hope. God, let them know that with you all things are possible, that, God, you can restore that marriage, you can restore that home. God, you can restore that relationship with their kids. But, Father, I pray in Jesus' name, God, help us take responsibility for ourselves. And, God, give everybody else to you. Lord, help us to manage the conflict that we have in a way that honors you. Father, we thank you for it, that you're going to help us be healthy and help us be whole. In Jesus' name, and everybody who agreed said amen. Come on, can we thank God today for the word? Come on, church.